1: Hello, listeners, and welcome to this special episode from the archives. This is
0: a golden oldie full of great evergreen advice for writers. It's a rerun, basically. Whilst we work on something very, very special.
1: or oh, very, very special indeed.
0: We were so young and naive, weren't we, Mark? Oh, we were, but our guests, our guests were brimming with wisdom. So enjoy. And we'll be back next week, the brand spanking new episode of the Bestseller Experiment. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the bestseller experiment where we look to write, market and publish a bestselling novel in just 52 weeks. My name's Mark DeVoe. And I'm Mark Stay. So Mr. Stay, here we are again, still rocking and rolling. We haven't quit just yet. (laughs) And you know what's just keeping us going? The thing that's keeping us going is the fantastic guests we keep having in the studio. And we're going to give you a little preview before we dive in and and interview our guests this week. Mark, tell us who we've got in the studio this week.
1: Well, we have two guests. Okay. Now, we have an author. That's always a special thing. But we like to pair people up because we like that little dynamic. We like to shake it up a bit. So we have an author and an editor. So I'm going to introduce them one at a time. First is our very special author, Lucy Vine. Say hello, Lucy. Hello. And also Lucy's editor, Katie Seaman. Hi. And first of all, we're going to talk about Lucy's fantastic new book, which is coming soon, which is called Hot Mess. But we also want to talk about, A, how this book came about, how quickly it came about, and how you two work together as author and editor. So, Lucy, let's let's talk about you. You're, you're, you're a freelance journalist. If I walk into WH Smith and look at the magazine rack, <laughs> you seem to have written for every magazine on the rack. Is
2: well, true? I don't know about every magazine, but yeah, I've been working in magazines since um, about 2005, so... Yeah, loads of them. All of them. Let's say all of them.
1: I mean, there's, 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 there's Grazie, <laughs> Heat, yeah. Cosmo, Stylist, Marie Claire, but you've written a book. Tell us about yeah. Hot Mess. What is a Hot Mess?
2: Oh, God. A Hot Mess is somebody who, I, I don't know, I haven't really focused on the hot part necessarily. I think that's kind of the smaller part of it, but it's sort of most women I know. It's that kind of mm. likes to get drunk and sort of sleeps too much and watches terrible telly and eats badly i I don't know it's just kind of being a millennial i think probably at this point yes (laughs) not having any money ever and you know (laughs) trying to survive
1: (laughs) now you wrote this book i mean we're we're taking a year mark aren't we we're taking a year to write edit and publish this it's um yeah which is which is quite we're seeing is quite an effort but i've heard
0: that lucy has has yet again like some other authors we've talked to
1: completely showed us up. Yeah. Um, How long did it take you to write this book, Lucy?
2: Well, oh God, I don't want it to sound like I've just sort of thrown anything out. (laughs) But okay, well, it all sort of started with Katie um, the end of August. So I was shifting at lots of different magazines at that point. So she commissioned me to write this book and I took two months off so I wrote it in those two, <laughs> two months two months
0: two months that's that right. months. <laughs> that should not be allowed that should absolutely oh, there should be like a law written in stone that I no one is allowed
2: show off <laughs> <laughs> but I treat because I because I'm trained as a journalist I and I've spent however many years doing that. I get given a deadline and I write it. And I, I've always preferred that overnight commission where somebody said, "I, I need a thousand words in the morning," and I just sort of get up at four am and just nerd no, it no, no.
1: Yeah, well, a thousand words in the morning is one thing. Yeah. Writing a full length novel yeah. <laughs> in two months. Oh. Are- Look, yeah. are you on drugs? Yes. Are you doing speed? Loads
2: and loads of drugs <laughs> is what I suggest. Right. <laughs> we'll reject, we'll reject
0: doofing. I have
2: to be on brand now. I'm a hot mess,
0: guys. I've got to ask you, Lucy, this, this is fascinating me because we're, one, of, one of the things we're trying to do on this podcast as we get amazing authors onto the show is we're trying to distill like the, the equivalent of the seven secret ingredients of Coca-Cola, like what makes <laughs> a great author. And I, I actually think, I do actually think that we might be hitting them on right this second. Yeah. And that is the importance of a deadline. Because mm-hmm. it, do you think you could have done that book in two months had it have been just a, you know, oh, I want to write a book and I'd like to get published?
2: No, and that's that's the thing. Like I um hadn't written a book, even though obviously writing every day, I, I love writing. I've always and I'm a huge book person as well. But the idea of actually kind of putting myself through the hell of writing a book and then having to sort of pitch and get all that rejection and it just I know that that's what you're doing (laughs) and I know that's what a lot of people are doing but I've always been too much of a coward for that I think and it just it just terrified me the idea of having to do all that and the idea of having a whole year as well. I mean, when I get given a commission to write something and they say, yeah, give it to us in a month, I don't do it until that last few days of the month. So I needed that. Thing. And I actually had a slightly longer deadline. <laughs> it was sort of due in mid-January and I sent it over sort of end of November, but I <laughs> I just <laughs> needed to do it. So I, um, I actually said like that first week when I'd actually sort of taken the time off work and I was at home and I was sitting there ready to write a novel with a blank piece of paper in front of me as it were I actually just sort of failed a bit in my head and sort of started to panic and I think I had lunch with you Katie um on the Wednesday of that first week and I said to you Can I please have a weekly deadline? I know that sounds a bit pathetic, but I said, um, is it okay if I start sending you 10,000 words a week? Um, Sorry, <laughs> but it, it, that's what that's what got me. I just those first few days, I'd sort of just lain there in my room <laughs> at home, just watching Netflix. I, I mean, you think it's impressive how many words I pumped out in those few months? You should see how many Netflix shows I got through. It was crazy. <laughs> but I, I just because I knew I had to do that every Friday, send Katie that chunk of work. I just had to do it. Even if it got to a Wednesday and I was like, oh, I haven't done a thing. I should really write this now. I had to get it done. So I did.
0: <laughs> so, Katie, what was the reasoning behind the two month deadline when you when you commission a book? Explain how that kind of She's works.
3: Evil. <laughs> <laughs> Named and shamed. I'm outed forevermore. Um, how the book came about in general or why the deadline was well, so just tight?
0: Why two months?
3: Oh, um, <laughs> that was my own deadline. Yeah. My- so I think with this book, what's so great about it, and that Lucy's touched on this already, is a hot mess, is most of us out there. I think when we're thinking about where we probably thought we'd be in 10 years' time, are we measuring up to those standards? We're all probably falling short. There's all things mm-hmm. that we think, oh, in like 10 years' time, I thought I would have, you know, got everything together. I'm, I feel like I'm failing. So it just felt very topical. And I think we also probably have to mention TV and film, because I think there's a lot of shows out there. I think Fleabag and Girls especially are really highlighting everyday flawed but relatable characters. So I think because this felt so timely and it felt we were kind of on the crest of a wave with everything that's happening in TV and film. So we wanted to be kind of in that moment rather than two years down the line thinking, Oh well, Girls was great when it finished but so I think it's tying in with maybe other things that are going on in the world. So
1: So was it a case of you having an idea, a sort of a zeitgeisty idea, and then going and looking for an author that you thought could pull it off? Or was it just you were talking to Lucy and you had the idea to how did that work? Which came first, the idea or the author? <laughs>
3: chicken or egg yeah. um so actually it was lucy's article that inspired the idea so shout out to stylists because i love their features and it was around valentine's day last year and you'd written an amazing piece and it just had some stats in there about the amount of people that are single about the amount of people that would choose to stay single this is around the time of year when Girls is in full swing. there had been a kind of renaissance of modern rom-coms on Netflix. I think shows Like Love had just started airing on Netflix, which is great. <laughs> so that just got me thinking, if I'm out there reading this, how many other women are thinking that maybe in books especially, there's not kind of the characters that they can relate to? So it was Lucy's article that inspired the idea. And then I reached out to her thinking she's probably already writing a book and I was so surprised that nobody had ever approached you because I thought it was such an (laughs) obvious fit to my mind. I thought she's already going to be writing and then we met up and we chatted. I got this email out of nowhere (laughs) and
2: I thought it was spam or some kind of random, I don't know, I had a Google of you. (laughs) Yeah, well it was just so out of the blue and it it was a few days before my birthday in August and it was just so exciting but at the same time I sort of didn't tell anybody I don't know that you publishing people (laughs) just went around kind of fishing a little bit and seeing you know oh would you maybe but then it comes to nothing so we had I think um I got your email emailed straight back and we had breakfast the next morning and you seemed quite like yeah I mean let's let's do it and I was quite like uh seriously (laughs) I still feel like (laughs) I don't know like like it's a joke. And I didn't really tell many people about it until it sort of got announced a few weeks ago on the bookseller, which, you know, huge bookseller nerd. And I was like, everyone! <laughs> so I just screamed <laughs> into the mic there. So we had that chat, and you kind of said, Go away, kind of write down a quick like brief of what you sort of think the plot would look like, which I did that week. And then I wrote, I think, two chapters for you, like um about five thousand words that week. And then you kind of went away and got it all approved. Mm. And that was when I kind of went to the people I was booked into and said, right, I'm taking the next couple of months off, cancelling oh, right. my so shifts.
1: You took mm. took time off work?
2: Well, because I'm freelance, it okay. wasn't the big deal. It sounds like, yeah, just take two months off work. It's more that I just sort of let them down. Okay. <laughs> just oh. betrayed them and left them in the lurch. But, you know, it was fine. They managed to find somebody to to take over for me for those couple of months and then um I didn't think I'd be back before Christmas but I did because I went a bit crazy being in my house for two months (laughs) yeah Yeah. I'm quite a high functioning introvert I think um (laughs) so I like people and I like being around people but then I really need to just go home and be alone I've got my own flat and I live on my own and I go home and I shut the door and I turn on my phone. It was so exciting to me that I had two months to just not see anyone and not talk to anyone and just be alone and write. It's just the dream really, isn't it? Um, and I'm so lucky that I was able to do that. And I think you find as well when you're writing that other people are quite often an inspiration. I mean, I've spent <laughs> a long time, years doing market research, as it were, towards writing about being single and and that kind of novel, but I did still really need other people a bit, eventually.
1: <laughs> Just to write something that quickly, I mean, you're saying it came from an article. Were you drawing a lot on your own personal experience for this?
2: Yeah, I mean, to some extent, I'm a bit afraid of this because I think a lot of people in my life think that it is. My mum keeps saying, oh, you in this. <laughs> she read it at the weekend. She was like, oh, it's really sad about your mum. And I was like, no, it's not me. <laughs> but to a certain extent, it is a little bit drawn from my life. Like, I've been single sort of on and off for about five, six years, and I love being single, and there's just so much pity. (laughs) I don't have a problem with being single. I love it. It's the pity from other people that I can't stand. Yeah. Oh, my God. You don't know how often I'm at a party and... Some guy says, Oh, is your husband, your boyfriend here? And and I'm like, Oh, no, I'm single. And they go, Oh, they do the head tilt. And they go, Oh, you know, I'm absolutely, and I'll say, I'm really happy being on my own. It's, you know, it's my choice. I love it. I like my own company. And he'll go, Oh, don't worry. It'll happen.
3: So true. I remember when we met and actually we've obviously Mm. been emailing when Lucy's been delivering the book. And I remember quite a few times I've said to you, by the way, I've just got to tell you. And it does happen. And I'd say, oh, I met a friend of a friend. And their first question was, you know, who are you? What do you do? second question, why don't you have a boyfriend yet? (laughs) Third question, oh, when you get married, will you move out of London so you can raise your children? (laughs) And I think this is kind of why this is so pertinent. I think it's drawing on kind of everybody's life experiences. And I think even though it's inspired and by people, I think we both know and situations everyone finds themselves in, it's so relatable. But I think In other areas where things have moved on, it feels like we are still stuck in a time warp Mm -hmm. sometimes, that this is kind of the official life plan. Yeah. And these are the standards that I think a lot of women in particular are being held to. Mm -hmm. So I think it's so refreshing. and We didn't have to (laughs) apologise or kind of defend our life choices. I think this Mm -hmm. is a really positive story, but I think the book itself is really inspirational, unapologetic, I think it's a new kind of celebration of the every woman out there.
1: It seems to me that the important thing here is you really know your readership. You know yeah. who you're writing it for. Yeah. Did you have that a very clear idea in your head? Yeah, I mean,
2: seems? it is that old thing, isn't it, of like, write what well, you know. And I think lots of people who've read it already have said, oh, that's exactly like that exact thing happened. Like, have you stolen that from my life? And honestly, I think it's just such a... Universal experience as a single woman. We're all so used to kind of the same Tinder dates and the same reaction and the same family, all having babies. My twin sister's got three kids. So there's this like literal measure of where my life should be (laughs) and where I actually am. And I'm happy with it. And she's so happy and it works and it's all good. But it is this sort of weird. Yeah. I mean, I said the word pity before, but that is sort of what it is.
0: So let's talk a bit about the editing process, Lucy and Katie, because obviously in two months, that's a very short period of time. Katie, did you get involved during the two months or was it given to you at the end of the two months and that's where you started to look at it?
3: Um, I think what Lucy did really well, and I think probably a general tip, is you were kind of aware of what would be your own pitfalls. So I think us coming up with the weekly deadline was kind of the thing that made it feasible because you knew that if you were just told to go away and write, it probably wouldn't have happened. And I think writing's quite different from other industries and even journalism, because you'd probably write an article and get quite immediate feedback. I think that's one thing that I think if I was a writer and on the other side, I would find quite tricky that you're probably lacking that immediate feedback and it can be quite solitary. So when you kind of said, I need a weekly deadline, this is how I need to do it that's what we decided. We decided that you'd have a kind of working week pattern, didn't we? And you'd do Monday, Friday and work throughout that week and then deliver on Friday. And then I read as we went along, I'd read over the weekend and get back to you on Monday. And more often than not, I think it was just reassurance. And a lot of my emails to you on that Monday Just You're doing great. This is amazing. This is so funny. And I think it was such a fun read and it never felt like work as well, I have to say. And I couldn't wait for the next instalment and neither could everyone else in the office. It was always, have you got the next bit? Have you got the next bit? And I didn't give that much kind of detailed feedback. I think there were a few things where I kind of thought, oh, I think this might need tweaking slightly. But I think it was just giving that reassurance throughout the process. And I think actually as a journalist, one thing that really stands out to me is your eye for character and dialogue. And I think that's why so many early readers are saying that you find it so relatable because you've just got such a good ear for these realistic situations.
0: Excellent. What was that like for you, Lucy, in in terms of having that ongoing feedback? Because we often hear that somebody writes the book and then it goes to the editor and then it comes back with all the big red (laughs) marks through it. What was it like for you week on week? I mean, do you think that was a key thing in actually helping you get to actually finishing it in such an amazing period of time?
2: Yeah. Writing a book is such a weird mixture of having... All the ego, because you have to believe in what you're doing and having no ego, because you have to then let it go and just hand it over and say, do what you need to do. And I feel like I've been training in that as a journalist for all these years. So I was trying really hard to just let it go when I sent it to Katie. And she was always so lovely. It was such a nice experience sending it over and getting that lovely feedback every week. But it, I really liked it. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it would be the way for everybody to do it but it did really work well for us. And then when I sent the whole thing over.
1: It's, it strikes me as a brilliant way of working, actually. Mm. A really brilliant, I mean, if if you're in simpatico like that, yeah. it's, if it's where you're, you're rubbed against each other the wrong way, if she's, or if Katie's <laughs> coming back saying, oh my God, this is awful. It could have been really, really bad. But I think the fact that, You've got that Monday to Friday thing. You're doing mm-hmm. 2,000 words a day. So you've got 10,000 words a week. Oh, well, then... you know,
2: 5,000 words on a Wednesday. <laughs> and <laughs> and <laughs> Netflix <Nepal>. Thursday. <laughs> okay.
1: But, you know, that it does strike me, though. It just, there's
0: something about what we're talking about here. It kind of feels more like the way a nonfiction book works. And even the way, actually, Katie, you approached Lucy, having read an article. What was it that made you say to, to Lucy, I want you to write a fiction rather than I want you to write a nonfiction?
3: Oh, that's a really good question. I actually think there's quite a lot of books coming out or have already recently been published that are kind of feminist memoir. Mm-hmm. There's some great books. And actually, I've got to do a shout out for a book coming out from Daisy Buchanan called How to Be a Grown-Up. Yay, it's which is definitely, I think, for this market, but it's just a non-fiction memoir. And that's going to be kind of for a different market, but the same kind of principle that... You're doing fine all these mistakes you think you're making you're not we've all been there and I just felt that from what I was reading that there was a bit of a gap in what I could read and that maybe there wasn't the books out there for me to read about this kind of thing I mean I could think of you know five or six tv shows that I could go and watch and recommend to my friends as you know increasingly a number of films uh portraying realistic characters and I just felt in fiction especially I just felt that some of the old cliches and tropes that we've mentioned about the kind of pitying luck when you mention you're single it just felt that things hadn't quite moved on that much from some other notable characters and that there was a bit of a gap so I think that's why I thought fiction I think Lucy had a great voice and that's what really stood out in the article and I think what was interesting is because we met and we chatted. And we kind of drew up the basic overarching plan of the novel together. So every week I would know what was coming. Just immediately I could tell that there was a voice that would be so great for fiction. And I think so refreshing as well. So that's why I think fiction more than non-fiction just for Lucy.
1: Is Lucy (laughs) unusual? Yes, I'm amazing. (laughs) It's
2: pure talent,
1: doesn't it? It it strikes me, uh, and this may be a journalist, and we've heard this from editors before, that journalists and screenwriters, blow my own trumpet, tend to be more acceptable of editorial notes. I mean, is that something in your experience? Because they're used to having someone putting a big red pen through their work. Because it, it strikes me that Lucy wasn't very precious about taking notes, whereas some authors can be. Would you say that?
3: Well, I just want to have a disclaimer that I'm still quite (laughs) young in my career. So although I'm lucky enough to work on Lucy's books and Sonia, who you've previously interviewed, I'm still quite young as an editor. So I think because it was new to both of us, we were kind of learning as we went along. And
1: Had you tried this method before, this kind of week on the weekend feat? This is completely new. No, this is
3: so new to me as well. And I think that's probably why we kind of got into our own pattern and we kind of made our own routine and I think it was having immediacy of feedback or just reassurance that you're doing a great job, keep going, which I think most authors probably aren't able to get because a lot of the time if you're you're not approached necessarily by an editor Mm -hmm. or by an agent, so you're kind of in the background, you're working on this to get representation, to get the publishing deal. I think this has been quite collaborative all the way along and it's always been a very open door policy if you're struggling I'm like, just drop me an email we'll talk it through I think it's really interesting what you said about those niggling doubts so I definitely say to people try and listen to your gut feeling because if you have a niggle yourself then it's something that somebody else might pick up on or if you know it's not quite right then will somebody else feel the same way but I think the biggest tip that anyone could take from Lucy's writing is it's much easier to work with what you've written. And the worst thing is having a blank page. Yes. So I think that discipline of making you, yourself sit down and write, mm-hmm. even when you're finding it tough, you've got words on a page. And it doesn't matter how rough and ready a first draft is, you've got something yes. and you've done it. I think that's such an important step. And that's such an achievement in itself, to get these words and translate that idea onto the page, that I think that's the hardest step. Because I think that's probably the one thing that, as an editor, I've learned, I would always just say to people, just try and get that first draft done. And I think just be aware of your own pitfalls. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to sit and edit and read through and you're going to sit and write.
0: Katie, you mentioned about pitfalls. What would you say are the top three pitfalls that you find as an editor when you're working through people's work? You don't have to mention Lucy's ones. But just generally, <laughs>
3: Name and shame. Um. Well, I think I'm still learning as well as an editor. And I think that's what's great as an editor, as you go along, you get to read so many different books and no writer's are the same as well, so I think that's what's so special. Every writer's unique and, as we've heard, has their unique <laughs> methods. I think probably one of the biggest pitfalls is procrastination, I would say. And I'm sure as a writer, I can imagine that's probably the hardest thing to overcome because it's obviously very solitary. And whereas if you're a stand-up comedian, you go to the pub and you get an immediate reaction and i think having that lack of reaction is probably one of the hardest things to overcome so you've got that with each other and it
2: is a bit like me and katie ha- having a writing partnership in the same way that you guys have got that you can read each other's work and help each other in that way sorry please continue
1: well, that's that's <laughs> what's been happening actually because i mm-hmm. uh, you know uh mark is excellent at spotting all my mistakes <laughs> it's been very uh, well it's great and, and and just pointing out things that don't make sense and it is a bit like editing on the go isn't it it's kind of working in without slowing ourselves down and it's a really interesting way of working it is it is in a way a bit more like screenwriting than, than okay. writing a novel actually with
0: that it's interesting i think the majority of the people listening to this show are probably sitting there by themselves writing in that you know cocoon that we call the author's world and maybe this is something that might come from your experiences both of you having having kind of explained your process and obviously mark and i are are, are kind of doing a similar type of thing but but not editor writer it'd be kind of really interesting for listeners to see if they if they're feeling that cocoon mentality yeah Maybe they should go out onto our Facebook page and say, hey, I'm looking for a writing partner. (laughs) Two people writing a book, you know, separate books, they could maybe just kind of be their own support network. yeah, a
2: writer's group in that way. Yeah, I think that's an amazing thing. Obviously, I'm new to all this, but I do think when I write my next one, like, I might need a bit more contact with other people. Obviously, I've got Katie. She's all I need. (laughs) But generally, yeah, that contact with other people really helped.
1: Would you do the two-month thing? again for the next book yes I'm
2: definitely gonna do that yeah. <laughs> She's on one next yeah. time yeah I want to try and beat my own time <laughs> like an athlete no um but I do I do want to do that I want to do exactly what I did and take two months off from the work that I do as standard and and just nail it if I can. I mean it, it's so important for me to have that breakdown ready At the beginning, I planned out each chapter. So I didn't come to a chapter and go, oh, what happens now? And I know you guys have done a very, very detailed.
1: We're we're (laughs) not talking about the outline anymore. That's (laughs) verboten.
2: No, but I I know he gave you a hard time, but I really live by an outline now. Because when I come to doing the chapter, I kind of, when I was sort of coming to writing the book and we'd obviously discussed it and we had decided on the outline, everywhere I was going, waking up at night, jotting down quick ideas, even just sort of light. I, I can see you nodding your head. It, it's sort of on your mind all the time. And you kind of, I made so many notes in my phone all the time. And I had sort of, I, I haven't used Scrivener yet. I'm going to, but I was using Word document. I had sort of 12 different Word documents open at any one time. Oh, <laughs> I know. It was so stupid. What was I thinking? Exactly. Um, I'm, gonna, yeah, I'm definitely going to use to over the note. Okay, guys. <laughs> um, but I had sort of 12 different chapters in different Word documents. So sometimes I'd get a sort of big... Idea for chapter ten, and I'd start writing chapter ten, and then I'd kind of go back. I kept thinking I would find my rhythm, and I
1: never Scrivener is made for okay, that, Lucy. That, it yeah, so is. You just because yeah. uh, what one of the first things we did, Mark, was we nicked the sort of V sheet from Into the Woods, the John York book, and just had that, and then dropped ideas into when we thought those moments would happen. So yeah, yeah that's definitely worth well, if that that's the exactly way you work. Way then
2: yeah. yeah, definitely. But I, then I also found for the first few weeks when I was writing, every single day I was starting again, which doesn't work for me so well. I actually think the first half of the book isn't as good as the second half. I know I'm not supposed to say stuff like that, but I think the second half is actually quite quite good, guys. Can't see.
1: Katie's got her head in her hands now.
2: (laughs) You know what? It is all Dickens. It is all amazing. And I, I just think too many drafts and too many rewrites kill the book. Sorry, I know that you were talking to Liz last week. Liz, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she said something about doing 34 rewrites on one. Yeah,
1: but I think... That's a
2: different book. That is 20 different books.
1: (laughs) I think, to be fair to Liz, that book was her kind of writing school, if you like.
2: Okay. She learned
1: so much just writing that book. (laughs) I kind of know where she's coming from on that, but yeah. But
2: I found that I was rewriting the first half way more because every morning I would start at the beginning, reread, be rewriting as I went. And obviously the more I wrote, the harder, longer that took. So I got to sort of halfway through the book and realized I couldn't keep doing that. <laughs> so I I then just started writing a bit more fluidly. And I think, I think too many, personally, I think too many rewrites just sort of, you start being clumsy with your words and sentences start kind of Getting jammed together in an awkward way and yeah. It's
1: is that sort of thing where starting at the beginning reading and then writing, is that something you do as a journalist?
2: Yes. Okay. And that's easier when you've got a thousand words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely. But I, I had to stop doing that and I won't do that so much.
1: Because when we spoke to Michael Connolly, he talked about if he ever got sort of blocked, he would go back maybe a chapter. Yes, definitely. and it was like doing a run-up and then yes. it would it would get his motor Yeah, it, it is. It's
2: like, yeah, warm-up run, isn't it? Yeah. But um you can't do that once you've got 60,000 words, you can't keep reading the beginning over and over again.
1: So, Mr. Stay, have we got a question of the week? We have. I was just thinking this is question of the week time. And it's come via email from Sebastian Wilberforce. And this is really pertinent for you, I think, Lucy, because this is, is quite simply. How does an aspiring author identify current trends or spot coming trends in the subject matter of books by the time my book is written i don't want a publisher to say oh that's so yesterday and turn me down because of it now one of our early episodes with the agent federica leonardo she she was and we've heard this from other people so was well, kind of don't worry about trends just write what you love but your book is both of those things it's something you love but it's really kind of ahead of the curve trend wise and of course you had an article what would you say about spotting trends? Because I guess with your second book, are you looking for the new hot mess? Are you looking for a new trend?
2: <laughs> well, I don't know if it's about specific trends because you're not a magazine, you're a book, like or you're writing a book, you're not actually a book, sorry. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean you're You're trying to write a book, and, like you say, it's going to come out in a year's time, and I think it's sort of about sensing the conversation. And Katie mentioned things like flea bag. And girls. So there is something obviously zeitgeisty about being single and stuff, but that's a huge subject and it's going to be forever a subject. I mean, we'll hopefully, hopefully improve a little bit in the way that we treat single women, but I still think it's going to be continually treated as some kind of limbo state it's I mean Bridget Jones 20 years ago it's still the same kind of conversation we're having the way we treat single girls as freaks so that's kind of always going to be a a forever topic I think so in 20 years this person can be writing about being single if they want to I obviously I mean I swear by magazines and, and newspapers and all that keep the businesses alive come on guys publishing business alive but I mean, they are very much of the zeitgeist, but I just don't think books can be in the same way. They can talk about universal themes, about life. And if you can tap into life in that way and figure out what people think and talk about, then that's great. Twitter's good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Twitter knows what subjects we're talking
3: about. (laughs) Can I add about trends? Because I think this is very kind of topical at the minute to be talking about trends. And I think being aware of them is a good thing because I think if currently you're sat and you're writing a psychological thriller, obviously their books are really popular right now. It's really having a moment and continues to do so. So I think if you're aware of trends, I think that's good for your own writing because you could be aware of kind of competing authors. And if you know that there's probably a lot of books out there already, I think as a writer, you can then think, oh, that's great because it obviously shows there's appetite and appeal and People will want to read this, but then think about how you can make your book slightly different. And I think what's great about, um, Hot Mess and Lucy's, I don't think it's necessarily a trend. I think what's great about this is we kind of identified a bit of a gap in the market. And as a reader, if you think, what would I like to read? But I can't find a book on this. Maybe that's a book that you could think about writing. And it could be that you think, oh, there's not enough of, you know, historical psychological thrillers. Why isn't you know, it set in the past? Wouldn't that be great? Um, I think it's maybe... I love that, Kate. I know, it's just giving like, away my yeah. best
1: idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> best I think idea. it's great, though, because
0: you're coming at it from the... It's just really interesting. We always think like authors, but what you're saying is we've got to switch roles. And mm. we've got to, even when we want to write, we've got to think like the reader. And that idea of kind of think as a reader, what book do I want to read but I can't find that's fantastic because I think we always forget about the audience really when we write don't we but it's always for them I mean that's why we do it I mean selfishly
3: this book was you know I thought oh what would I love to read that I just can't find anything (laughs) and maybe that was my ignorance and I apologize if there's someone out there that has written something and I've not managed to find it (laughs) but I just thought selfishly what would I love to read and what would all my friends like to read and this is definitely a book that I know that I'm going to recommend to everyone and all. I mean, already throughout the office, everyone that's kind of in this age group has been reading it. It's been spreading across the office like wildfire, just because it feels like we've all been waiting for something like this. But I think as an author, definitely don't forget why you're doing this in the first place. And it's probably stemming from your love of reading. I think that's a really important thing just to bear in mind. If you're
2: trying specifically to write something because you think it's going to fill a hole or follow a trend, then it's probably going to fall a bit flat because I think... If you're not writing about what you are interested in and you, you've got to just write what you want to write about and hopefully that will be...
1: Well, we, we had that dilemma when we first when we first, first episode spoke to Vix and she was saying, you know, that psychological thriller with the word girl in the title. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as we might <laughs> you might enjoy reading are. those books, I, I'm not a psychological thriller writer. I, I do it really badly. Or, or, <laughs> sure or worse, worse, <laughs> if we did it well... And we're doomed to write That's psychological it, thrillers yeah. for the rest You're of our, our, our career. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Now, um,
0: Lucy, you mentioned earlier how you felt this—this this was all like some weird competition that you'd just been plucked or out of. Exactly,
2: you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, on that note, actually, um, there's a reason why we've we've got you in the studio today. And uh, if you look up at that little hidden camera at the top of the room, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Yes. Um, no, I'm. I was right. I'm actually. I care more about I'm being right than making money. I'm actually talking about. I about
1: our competition. I had before oh. we before we go, Mark. Sorry, I I did have that while we were making Robot Overlords. Okay, because I'm really? uh, we we were in pre-production for a film with Ben Kingsley and Gillian Anderson with big visual effects. And there was a slide of, is this real? I, I don't know if this is real. And about a, a couple of weeks before we were shooting, I was staying at uh, over where John lives and we sat and watched the film. And it was a film called Windy City Blues. It's a very obscure movie, but it's about these guys who decide to wind up a comedian by making him pretend he's the star of a movie. And it's this guy loses his rag at the drop of a hat and he just goes crazy. And, John had been recommended this by an actor friend of his, and we're watching this, we're laughing. And about halfway through, I thought, this is his way of softening <laughs> the blow. This is his way of telling me that the whole thing is a complete wind up and I'm on some sort of reality show. So I don't wind oh, authors so cool. up like that. <laughs> it's not, we're fragile. Sorry, it's,
0: it's the little, it's the little, uh, it's it's the little cheeky, <laughs> cheeky boy in me jumps up, you know. but no. On a serious note, I did get sidetracked because it is about competitions. Because we have, as 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 our listeners will know, uh, we have, we run very frequent competitions, and we would love if both of you today would announce the winners of two of our massive competitions that we've been running. Would that be okay?
2: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Excellent. So we've we, we started now going back. I can't remember the episode numbers. But if, if you want to look back at the uh, list on our website, you can see the episode numbers. We interviewed the incredible Maria Semple, uh, nice. who's actually since since interviewing her, Mark, is this right that the book that we were interviewing her about went on to be, get signed with Julia
1: Roberts, is that right? She's going to star in it in a big show yeah, on TV? Yeah, there's a TV show with Julia Roberts, one of them. Wow. Uh, and then there's a film coming of the other one. Uh, yeah. I can't remember who's in it, but somewhere. Where'd really you famous. go, Bernadette? Was, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so we'd like,
0: so the book you're going to win is the book that's going to become the TV series with Julia Roberts, if I've got my facts correct. <laughs> and Lucy, I'm going to press a magic button here and you're going to see a name. And I'd like you to... I'd like you to read out the, the winner. So here we go, little drum roll. drum roll. And the winner for the Maria Semple Book Competition, sign book hardback, is...
2: Julie Savage. Hurrah. Julie Yay.
0: Savage.
2: Yay. Hey. <laughs> Woo.
0: Congratulations, Julie. We'll be getting in contact with you on email and we'll be sending you that incredible prize in the book. And, and now it's Michelle Paver who was she was fantastic wasn't she mark she yeah. if i remember rightly michelle was the one that would go uh, living in tents and getting she, almost killed by a runaway to, yaks
1: yeah well she and she went to the himalayas and complained that she didn't get altitude sickness that's how kick-ass <laughs> that's uh, right michelle is. yeah yeah absolutely and her book is
0: thin air we have a, a signed copy hardback of that and i'm going to press the button and you're going to see a name so and I'm this sure is for katie you katie, to announce yeah, yeah. yes katie little drum roll please Can I do that on the mic? Let's see if this works. I don't know if that works. And the winner is...
3: Catherine Harwood. Congrats, Catherine. Catherine Catherine.
1: Harwood. You can collect your book from the of the Himalayas. Uh, Just make your way there in the next week or
0: so. The 10th optional. (laughs) And thank you so much to everyone who entered the competitions. We do have competitions still running, so come to our website, bestsellerexperiment.com. Click on the win Button in the navigation bar, and there's a ton of uh, competitions there. And I believe, Mark, do we have a competition?
1: Well, Lucy, uh, now Are your Lucy? book isn't out until July, yeah. Um, but we have a proof copy, uh, which is ultra rare, and I believe these exchange hands on eBay for millions of pounds. <laughs> it's
3: hot mess, hot
1: property. Yeah, hot mess, hot property. So could you sign, kindly sign a proof copy for us to give away? Yes. That's Lovely.
3: So weird.
0: Excellent. So if you want, if you want to win, if you want to win a copy of Lucy's book Hot Mess coming out in July and I saw on your Twitter account I think it was only a few days ago is you've only just seen the proofs come through is that right
2: yeah oh it's so exciting what did that feel like oh my god ridiculous
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: just even more surreal You
0: got to touch and feel it did you yes
2: and i did touch and feel it a lot <laughs> <laughs> just so
0: you're gonna it get like you're win, gonna win a copy of a book that lucy has touched and feel a lot <laughs> with her fingerprints all over it it's gonna be marvelous and so if you want to win that get to the website as well and uh, lucy's gonna sign that for us so thank you very much lucy So Mark, before we, before we wrap up, I wanted to just do a very quick motivational minute, which is inspired by, by our two guests today, Lucy and Katie, and I've kind of alluded it to before, but I really feel strongly about this. I think everyone listening right now, if you've not got a writing partner, you've got to do it. Now, the big question is, should it be a writing partner or should it be someone that you trust? On one of my previous motivational minutes, I made a point of saying, don't expect your friends and family to promote your book for you they'll read the book they'll support you through the journey but they won't be the ones that will go out there and sell it for you and so i'm thinking getting a friend or family to be that partner a writing partner or an editing partner might not be the best idea because they'll be thinking about hurting your feelings you'll have that emotional relationship actually within coaching the reason why a lot of people get coaches is they don't get that connection where They're going to get judged emotionally because of the background that you know about them. So I would suggest, and I'm going to put this out there, use our Facebook page to make a request to say, I'm looking for somebody. Say what genre you're writing in. Find someone who writes in your genre. And you could maybe act as each other's uh, accountability partners. That's a big word that we use in coaching, accountability partners. So you both say to each other, write. We're both going to write a thousand words each day inspired by Lucy. Um, maybe try and do 10,000 words in a week if we go for the bonus <laughs> and see if you can hold each other accountable. So, I do think we're onto something here. I think this is something about, you know, it's great being an amazing writer, but it's also about having the determination and the focus to deliver. And that's what you've done, Lucy. So, thank you for inspiring us today with your story.
1: Yeah, I, I know someone who could use that advice as well uh, on uh, Twitter. At Jess Steele 7, Jess Steele, who I know from Glancefest, I know she's a writer. She's recently moved, I think, to South America. And so she's kind of lost contact with her usual kind of writing circle. And I know she's looking for feedback. But uh, part of the conversation on Twitter in the last week with Jess and a few other people, we're talking about the importance of smell and <laughs> and the senses in books and how you can use that in your writing. Uh, Is smell Katie any tips on on smell or touch or or the senses, or adding that kind of texture any top tips for writers there so I've really put you on the spot there
3: (laughs) that is one of the craziest questions I think it goes back to about being authentic and what we were saying kind of writing what you know and I think if you have lived that or if it's something you're particularly passionate about you can recreate it much more vividly and I think um that probably makes it easier but the one thing i would say is try not to make it feel forced i don't think i think it can kind of stop the narrative flowing if you deliberately take too much time to kind of stop and say what a character could smell or what they could touch probably think about you in real life if you were with a group of friends or if you were doing something would you stop and be like, oh, but I noticed that the smell was a rather peculiar musk, or (laughs) you wouldn't. So I think it's all about that natural and authentic voice. And I think it's great if it's something that's noticeable, maybe in a crime, if it's something that leads you to a clue or it's something that you think is a bit odd and you kind of recognise. But I think just be authentic and true and don't worry too much about um, descriptive detail because I think sometimes we have a tendency to think, right, I'm a writer, I must use all the beautiful words. And I think just keep it simple. I think that's a great tip. Keep it simple and keep it authentic. And I think what you said about sharing your work as well is a great tip. Because I think writers are so generous as well. So I think we should all use that spirit in the community, share our work, don't be afraid to ask for feedback or admit if you're struggling. Because I think it's a great community of writers and I think we should all use each other as that support network
0: it's really interesting we're kind of we're kind of layering in senses having done this very big outline we're now layering in senses as we're going through so so Lucy I'm I'm, in in a in a sentence in a sentence can you tell us what a hot mess smells like
2: oh god oh god God. And we were oh, doing
1: just so him. well.
2: Uh, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I'm done. Oh, <laughs> no, I can't.
0: Stop. No. That's yeah. all right. You don't
1: have. I'm just jest. I'm just I'm trying to be funny
2: in my writing. I am not. I don't care about smells.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we, had a, we had another big question, and this is a big question for us, Mr. D, on, on Twitter. Uh, Jesse Craig, at Jesse Craig Head, asked this first. We've had a couple of people ask it on Facebook as well, which is, Will we continue after the fifty-two weeks? Now, I've tried to point out to people that this is driving us to an early grave. <laughs> yeah, uh, and we might not even make the fifty-two. <laughs> exactly, weeks. Exactly, exactly. We <laughs> want to get there first, but um, we we will take it under due consideration, I think. But it's a lot of work, isn't it, man? We had no a idea, lot of work. especially for you. We had,
0: yeah, can I explain to people if you think this idea of just oh, I'll just whip up a podcast like Mr. Stay and I, we just had a little conversation once, thought it would be a bit of fun. Oh my gosh! Imagine adding another child to your family, basically, <laughs> right? With diapers, nappy changes, anything. But it's it's been a lot of fun. But yeah, well, well, we'll have to see how it goes, Mark. We'll have to see how it goes, eh?
1: I mean, it, it it doesn't help that you are like George Martin at Abbey Road with the sound <laughs> quality on this. You must well, drive yourself. And talking nuts. of
0: sound, though, we have actually, you know, because of the popularity of the podcast and the amount of work, we have actually. Taken on another member of the team, and we actually want to put a shout out to our our main man Dave, Dave, Dave Nelson, who is our is now helping oh, to edit Mark. this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I know his he's name? officially we, we've <laughs> asked we'll him to change Mark. his name. <laughs> We want the we want the Mark trio, the Mark cubed, but but Dave, um, thank you so much for putting all the effort in for this, and uh, we appreciate all of the work that you're doing for us. So it's absolutely fantastic. And Mark, we should also mention before we finish up that we have the Vault of Gold. Yes. Because we've not mentioned this yet, have we? I don't think we've mentioned it in any previous episodes. No, it's completely new. Um, <laughs> completely new, yes. Yeah. So if you if you haven't heard yet, we do have an incredible free ebook called the vault of gold which is basically the best bits the transcripts from all of our incredible guests which include the Connollys, michael and john we have the joes which are joe hill joe abercrombie uh all kinds of incredible guests joanne harris absolutely um we'll have we'll have obviously lucy and katie's wisdom in there as well so yeah. please do pop along do grab the book uh just stick your email address come to bestseller experiment but it won't be free
1: forever yeah and uh continue to subscribe rate and review us on itunes we are loving the reviews on itunes i just want to shout out to gavin who gave us a lovely glowing review saying it's the best podcast he's ever listened to then said it's the only podcast he's ever listened to, uh, and then he suggested that if his book—now he's written eight and a half books so far, according to his review—and um, he said that if his next book isn't a bestseller, he's going to sue us. Uh, Gavin, I don't Same. think you've quite got the hang of this, Group but, class action. But, but thank you, thank you for the review anyway. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll—you'll be hearing from our lawyers.
0: Um, Absolutely. So join us on Facebook and Twitter. We're also on, int- I said last, I think last time, Interest, Pinterest which is Instagram. my <laughs> shortcode for Instagram and Pinterest. And uh, do come and join us. We, we do read all of your tweets. We, we do get, if you want to contact us via the website as well, there's a form there. We do read every email and respond to it. So please do get in contact. And I just want to drop a little teaser as we are kind of nearing the end of this crafting journey and we're moving into the marketing phase we have to start thinking about actually publishing this book uh, we're going to be putting out a shout to people on our mailing list so join our mailing list to get early access to this we are going to be looking for an advanced reading team for our book And if you're interested, she's a
1: glutton for punishment.
0: (laughs) This is is all part of the experiment. We've heard a lot about how authors do this, and they get a group of readers who will read through the hot mess of our book um, before before we get through to the final drafts. But if you're interested, sign up to our main list because that's where we're going to announce it. It's not going to be on Facebook or Twitter initially, um, and we'll be telling you more about that
1: in the coming weeks. And also, if you're listening to this before the 28th of April, 2017, could you do us a big favor? Pop along to the BritishPodcastAwards.com go to the Listener Choice Award bit. So it's com forward slash vote. Uh, search for The Best Seller Experiment. And if you love our show, please give us a vote. We're up against some big names. Uh, Simon Mayo just tweeted about it, so we're screwed, basically. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, ev- every vote counts. So that would be marvellous if you could come along and do that for us. And uh, continuing the theme tune that I started a couple of weeks ago, i um, C- we well, may want to sing along with this. Yeah, probably haven't heard this episode yet. Um, but it's uh, just going along. Subscribe, rate and review. Subscribe, rate and review. Subscribe, rate and review. It's it's uh Eventually, it'll it'll be like the the that annoying frog song. And do you
0: know what I'm going to do for you, Mark? I'm going to actually compose you a 30-second seconds like techno track that you can sing along to for that in the future we can
1: my dream is we finally can all have to stop
0: raving in that yes it'd be awesome brilliant well listen thank you so much lucy and tell us lucy where can we find out more about your book and about you
2: uh i don't know katie <laughs> where can we find out you can follow me on twitter at lecv and Am- oh yeah buy it on amazon Casual. Pre-order. Pre-order it on Amazon.
1: That's the publicist, Elaine, who's been silent throughout this whole thing. But now suddenly when it comes to selling the book, Amazon, go to Amazon.
3: (laughs) It's available from all other good retailers as well. But if you like what we've said about the book tonight, then definitely go and check it out. Read the blurb, read more about it and pre-order. And also vote for Mark and Mark in the podcast awards yes
0: and Katie what about your Twitter account if people want to get in contact with you
3: oh yeah so I'm on Katie L. Seaman so yeah if anyone wants to tweet me with queries or questions any aspiring writers just yeah tweet me and I'll try and give I don't know if it's wisdom but I'll try and impart something done it
1: now Katie the bestseller experiment masses are coming after you
3: good no I love this community (laughs) I love you guys
1: brilliant well thank you so much
0: Lucy and Katie it's been such a treat having you on the show today and it's a goodbye
1: from Mark 1. And it's a goodbye from Mark 2. Subscribe. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Rate and review. ch ch ch, ch-, ch- <laughs> subscribe Rate <Right> and <in> review. ch subscribe Rate review. <Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. laughs> to read Back to Reality, the best-selling novel of The Bestseller Experiment by the Two Marks, go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash back to reality. And subscribe to this podcast to get loads of
0: extra bonuses. Go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash subscribe.